The Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told the disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise ones brought flasks of oil in their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, Nope, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him, and the door was locked. Afterward, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he in reply said, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. People of God, hear what the Spirit is saying. After those three readings were proclaimed so well, I don't know if there's anything else to say. Um, well, I am going to go out on a limb today. Um, when I talk about the story that Matthew has, um, and maybe it's really not going out on a limb, maybe it's, it's just looking for a deeper understanding. Um, all of us have heard this story over and over again about the five wise maidens, or sometimes translation given the five virgins or the, the five bridesmaids. Depends on that translation. And then there's the foolish ones, or some call it the naive ones, maidens or virgins or bridesmaids. Um, but probably the most correct uh, translation would be the young girls, the 12-year-olds. Gives a different click to it, doesn't it? 12-year-old kids. When we listen to Matthew in this parable, um, does that sound like something that Jesus would be saying? Not really, I don't think. I mean, we take a look at how does that fit with other stories that, that Jesus told and that Jesus lived. Um, that you're going to refuse to share your oil. It doesn't fit with, um, with the widow's might when she gave all that she had or it doesn't fit with the multiplication of the loaves. And the groomsmen oftentimes have proclaimed that that's Jesus who's being late. Does that sound right? Um, the, the way I just don't know, and then when, when the, the five foolish ones come up, and they say, we're here now, and the door's locked, and Jesus says, I don't know who you are. 
I don't think that sounds like something what Jesus would say. Um, when we take a look at these, these scriptures, they're, they're, they're apocalyptic readings. And there are, there are two other stories in, in, in the, in the um, Matthew that, that relate a similar message. Uh, one of those is the wedding feast and the garment that it had on. Um, the mention later on in Matthew is about Daniel and about how it's time for, for all those to flee to the mountains. Um, these parables, and you can check the one um, from the Gospel of Thomas, it's an extra canonical Bible, uh, gospel, and it is directly met, uh, connects with Matthew 22. So, what's going on here? Um, the people at that time were living in a very crazy, difficult time. Um, it was some 40 to 70 years after Jesus died. Scholarship says that Matthew was written somewhere between 70 and 110. Uh, Matthew wrote the story to his community, longing for someone to come and save them. Looking for this, for this Messiah that would protect them against the Roman Empire. Uh, because it was during that time that the Roman Empire came and flattened the Jewish temple. What's going to happen? That's where the reference of going, time to flee to the hills. It's a reference about that. So, one of the things I want to ask is, is Matthew's Jesus giving us a wrong message? And I'd say no, if the message is be prepared. Because we don't know the time in that. And that message of being prepared is there. But the apocalyptic piece of it is something that we need to take a look at is that something that we need to look at in a new way in the 21st century? Um, how does that make sense to us? Um, because those people were living in a time where they were pl- they're, they're looking at the, the plight that they were in, the religious longings, the understanding of the cosmos. It's different than what we understand today. Are we looking for a Messiah to come and save us? That's a good question. Uh, the message that was transpired there um, is, is that we need to take a new look at it. Um, how do we move into this, this, how we live and move and have our being in this whole mystery of who God is? And I would say that we need to tell this story with a new understanding. A new understanding of the mystery of God working with us. The question is, do we have the courage to hear a new old story? A story that's going to possibly threaten our very own sacred cows. A story that's going to be different than maybe some of our treasured ways. Our beloved customs, our our constructed theologies. Is it going to be uncomfortable us in our practices in what we understand and do? These and other apocalyptic parables that that lead people to a time looking for a Savior to save us, maybe we need to take a look differently too. But you know what? We live in a pretty scary world, as they did. We see a world where there's war popping up all over. We see see where it's the threat of what's happening in Israel and and the whole Middle East, what's happening in Ukraine. We see it in the division of our country. We see the problems that are going back and forth. I believe that 
the book of wisdom gives us a little bit different look at that. The primary purpose of that author was to speak to the people in his time about how do you deal with suffering and oppression. It was the wisdom of people who were in exile, who struggled for that. Now, Jesus in his time would have been very, very familiar with these wisdom writings because they were there, as well as the apocalyptic writings. And they was they would be taking a different way. Listen to what what um, the book of wisdom says. Resplendent and unfading is wisdom. Sophia, she is readily perceived perceived by those who love her, found by those who seek her. Those are words of comfort and love, not words of fear. She hastens to let herself be known in anticipation and desire. Whoever watches for her in a doll shall not be disappointed, for they shall find her sitting at the gate. For, take, for taking thought of wisdom is the perfection of prudence. And whoever, um, and whoever for her sakes keep vigil shall be quickly free from care. That's some words we need to hear today that we see in, in, in all the turmoil that's happening. You know, I wonder if we look back listening to Sophia, is it really that she's waiting for us instead of us needing to wait for a Messiah? I think that's a critical way. You know, I've come to know in my heart that Christ comes every day, over and over again. I need to understand and be open that, that Christ is already with me, that I need to put away the fear and embrace the love that's there. You know, we've seen the face of Christ. Look around this room. See the face of Christ in everyone gathered here, in our brothers and sisters, in the family we are. This is maybe the easy part. We need to see the Christ in those who we call enemies. We need to see the Christ in those who are difficult to be with. We need to be looking at that because Sophia is there as well. When we strive to see that, we see love in this world. And love isn't always pretty. And love isn't always nice or joyful. I mean, think about it, how you love different members of your family when they're struggling. It's not always pretty. It's not always wonderful. It's not always romantic. So, listen to what Jesus said. He said, he calls us to love our enemies. He calls us to turn our cheek. He calls us to care for the downtrodden, the poor, the imprisoned. Do you remember that saying? Those who seek to follow the way of Jesus and others will be called fools. We who seek to follow the way of Jesus will be seen as fools. How can you love that person? Because that's the way Jesus taught me. Because that's what God's will is for us. And if our will is to be the same as God and Jesus' will is the same as ours. Jesus, you hear what Jesus said? If you want to be different, I'll wait for you. He's waiting for us. He's looking for us to come. As, as for heaven and hell, Jesus isn't going to lead us there. Following Jesus... And what he did is going to take us right in the middle of our world, right into the mess of living, right into the ugliness of politics, right into the fear that haunts 
and the disasters that threaten us, the needs of those who cry out for love. It's not always going to be pretty. And it certainly won't be easy to do. But what he says is, open your eyes, open your ears, and are you prepared to hear this different story? A story that might turn our worlds upside down. When we read this, we come to know that really, we're the ones who need to be looking. We're the ones who need to be reaching out to Jesus, because Jesus is there. We live in our own frightening times at the hate, the, with the hate and the genocide, the war. We live for that. But listen to that story that Jesus told again. All things are possible through our joint will. But mine alone, Jesus says, isn't going to help you. We need to be united with Jesus. Your will is as free as mine. You see, it's a choice we make. It's a choice we make sometimes to look like fools. But that's what the kingdom is about. Jesus says, I can offer you my will and make yours invincible in its sharing. When we're united with Jesus, that's what it is. But I can't oppose your will. Jesus isn't going to come to us and say, stop it. He's going to be waiting for us. He's going to be there for us. If you want to be like me, I will help you to be alike. If you want to be different, I'll wait until you change your mind. Perhaps um, what Jesus says is, I can only teach you if you're listening. Any of you who are school teachers know that's true about your students. They need to be listening. And we can learn from that. I believe that Jesus is waiting for us to choose because the Christ has been there all the time. Um, and if he's been there all the time, part of that's because we've been unable to see him. I'd like to give you an example. Can everybody see this? What is this? Did he say anything beside the F-E-D-E-X? Can everybody see the arrow on there? <laughs> Look between the e X, the E and the X. You will never look at this sign again and not see the arrow. You got it? Show people. Show people with your finger. There. There's the arrow right there. I can't. I don't know. What I do know is I've seen this FedEx sign for years, and I've never seen the arrow until last week. Perhaps that's what's going on with Jesus waiting for us. Jesus has been there all the time. Sophia has been there from the beginning of a creation. Creation couldn't have happened without, according to the Bible, without, G, without Sophia being there. And we just have been unable to see it and open ourselves up to listen. So today, I ask you, be prepared for yourself to move and to live and to, and to have your being sitting in that mystery. 
that mystery of love that's all around us. And look for that arrow, that Christ sign, in everyone around you. It's there. We just don't always see it. And the challenge, I believe, is that we do that and Jesus will lead us and take us where we need to go. Amen. I'm open for your, for your thoughts.